Well, folks, investing is a tough game, but a lot of people make money in it when they play it the right way. Uh, today, we're going to go to Mobile, Alabama. We're going to join Chief Market Analyst for a company called Wealth Empire. His name is Ross Givens. Ross, welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, now let's talk about the market's a crazy place, isn't it? I mean, you can make a lot of money, you can lose a lot of money. Yeah, you know, one of the, the funny quotes I hear is they say one of the surefire ways to become a millionaire is to uh, start out a billionaire and then start buying stocks. <laughs> there was a major hedge fund I, I read about in the Wall Street Journal the other day. It was a $2 billion hedge fund, and now they're down to $50 million. That's a huge decrease because they invested in commodities. Commodity markets are tough right now. Commodity markets are really tough, and, you know, they've always been difficult. You know, you hear people, most people make a lot of money in commodities that simply buy luck, right? Like, I bought a bunch of gold back in 05, 06, and look at me now. But the difference between commodities and stocks is there's nothing behind them. It's just supply and demand, right? So all you're betting on when you buy a commodity is you're betting that someone else will pay you more for the exact same thing in a week or a month or a year later. So, uh, you know, there's so many factors going into it as far as, uh, you know, the supply out there, the demand issue, and, you know, international global forces that it's just, it's not like a stock where you know it can guarantee it's going to turn your profits and it's going to keep making uh, new products and, and pay dividends to shareholders. It's a very different animal. You know, a lot of people were buying or being pushed gold when gold was about $2,000 an ounce. And the, the theory behind it was if the market tanks, gold will go up. That's what the, the people selling gold said. But when China had their decrease in, in market, uh, their markets went down about 40%, gold went down too. So that kind of shot bullet holes into that theory. Yeah, and I think people try to oversimplify it. You know, the reason gold <laughs> tends to go up when, when stocks go down is it's just a safety hedge. I mean, it's one of the few currency metals that has existed for thousands of years, unlike most of the fiat currencies we're used to. So when you get an absolute market crash, I mean, what moves it is these guys with billions of dollars, right? It's not you and I with our, you know, five or six or maybe even seven-figure accounts. It's, you know, the guy's got $50 billion. He wants it out of the stock market. He can't just go put that in a Wells Fargo checking account, right? He has to either buy bonds or he has to buy gold. And so as a safety hedge, people tend to go to gold and just all that buying pressure pushes it higher. But honestly, one of the best ways to look at it, and I've studied a lot of Warren Buffett, and I've studied a lot of uh, Ben Graham and Peter Lynch and a lot of these great investors. And Honestly, you got to look at commodities in similar fashion to stocks when it comes to timing your buys, and that is kind of when there's blood on the street, buy real estate, right? When everyone thinks, I've got to have this, this is great, it's going to the moon, you probably don't want to buy it. And when everyone's telling you this thing's dead, I wouldn't touch it, it's probably a pretty good opportunity. And that's really what we're approaching with gold today. Nobody wants to touch gold, which is usually kind of a contraindicator that may be a decent time to get in. Well, they follow, it's like the follow the crowd mentality, either selling or buying, uh -huh. and Warren Buffett's always done the opposite. And then Peter Lynch, he's famous for Fidelity's Magellan Fund, but his old saying was, if you use it and believe in it and like it, invest in the company. And I should have done that, and I haven't, but I should have. I should have not listened to all the pundits who talked about how Amazon wasn't making any money and you shouldn't invest in there, because just a while back, they went up $100 a share, right around $100 a share in one day, because Amazon is killing it. And when I go shopping, I use Amazon Prime a lot. No, you're right. And you're right. Lynch was famous for his famous phrase, invest in what you know, and that, that's one of them. You know, the market has changed so much. I think even Peter Lynch would have a hard time investing today. I don't think his 29% of your track record would, would be so easy to, to produce today because valuations are just different. I mean, if you read all of Lynch's books, you know, you read one up on Wall Street and some of his other stuff, he's telling you, you know, don't pay more than 15 times earnings or a peg less than one. And these metrics – for a lot of these tech companies like Amazon and Tesla and Google, you know, some of these others, they just don't hold up anymore. I mean, we've got companies like take Amazon, for example, 
This is a 200, let me see, 248 billion dollar company and they never turn a profit. You know, it's all it's it's insane, but what people are pricing into is the future of this stock, right? What Amazon's really doing when you see no profits, it's not that they're a bad business. They're just taking all those profits and putting them in research and development. They're spending 3 to 4 billion dollars a year in R&D. Um but I'll tell you something and you're right. I mean, Amazon's one of those ones which we had the last 10 years. If you want to try to time Amazon, what most people don't realize, what moves Amazon is sales. This stock, I've got a chart, I wish I could show it to the radio listeners here, that goes back about 10 years. And if you, if you plot the stock price against two times sales, so whatever they're doing in you know sales per share, double it, it, it almost follows it exactly. So anytime you get a chance to buy below that, like it was when it was back at 300 earlier this year, we put a recommendation out to buy it. Um, generally, tends to be a good time. So to give that in perspective, today that number is about 420. Stocks trading around 530. Personally, I think it's a little rich. Um, if you're trying to profit from this stock over the next three to six months, you know it's going to be a risky buy today. But like you and I have seen the last decade, you know if you plan on holding this thing five or ten years, it's really tough to lose money buying it. You know, that would have been real tempting if I owned it when it went up almost $100 a share in one day. I probably would have sold it that day because I think you might be able to buy it back cheaper down the road. Yeah, and that's, that's, you know, it's, it's always that catch-22, right? It's yep. like, oh, it's up. I'm going to sell it and wait till it drops, and then sometimes it doesn't. I mean, you know, we look back at this thing. I mean, goodness, i got a, a, a 20-year chart in front of me. Going back to 98, this is $1.30 a share. <laughs> you know, here we are sitting at $533. So, that's a nice investment. you know, look, if you're investing for the long term, Warren Buffett once said it's better to buy a great company at a fair price than a fair company at a great price. And I think Amazon's a great example of that, right? You and I have a hard time making sense of paying you know, $530 a share for a company that barely turns out a profit, but it is a fantastic company. It's not going anywhere. It's got a moat that would be almost impossible uh, to breach, and it's, it's, I mean, it's the future. You and I know brick and mortar's dying, and Amazon's the future. Well, they've almost overtaken. Remember when you used to make a photocopy, you say, well, go Xerox this for me, even though it wasn't, you weren't using a Xerox copy, or you were saying go make a copy, but you said Xerox. And when, when the office here, when we, whenever we need something, they say, let's go to Amazon and get it. So it's not even, let's go search around, let's just go to Amazon and get it. So it's funny what we've seen in the office vernacular, how it ties into what I should have been investing in myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, we talk about, I mean, I mentioned the word mode. It's one of Buffett's. And look, all my investment advice, I, I'm no genius, right? I just steal from the greatest yeah. the greatest investors we've ever seen. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with that. But, you know, one thing he always looks for is, is what they call an economic moat, meaning it's tough for competitors to get in there and knock them down. They're not going to get into a price war. So Coca-Cola has one of those, right? If you're at the grocery store, there's Coca-Cola for a dollar a can or something that tastes just as good, 75 cents, you're going to get the Coke, you know, the brand you trust it. Same with Google, same with Apple, and, and, and you know, Kleenex, and like you mentioned, Xerox back in the day. And today, Amazon's the same way. And I mean, you know, if you look at it and think, okay, no matter how much money you give me, I could not build a company to take down Amazon. That means they've got just an almost impenetrable moat, and it's, it's just something you want to have in your portfolio for the next couple of decades. Well, if we're looking ahead, for, let's say it's five years from now, and you and I are back on the radio in the year 2020, what, what's, what couple sectors do you think we'd be talking about that we all stars the last five years? Well, I think we're going down. It's kind of tough to to, uh, to invest in some of these sectors on on a small basis, but a lot of it is what they're calling the Internet of Things, right? And that's you know pulling up your smartphone and turning on the lights in your house and locking the doors and setting your AC controls and all the interconnectivity of everything, right? Everyone wants to talk about biotech and some of that. I think that's a little further way off as far as you know robotic cells going into your bloodstream and 
you know, killing different cancerous cells. But the Internet of Things, you know, when you're looking at like Nest thermostats, you're looking at some of the self-driving cars, you're looking at, um, you know, all the advanced sensor technologies that that are out there and the drones and everything else. I mean, I, I think that's really where the opportunity lies going forward. You know, 2013 and 14, everyone thought it was 3D printing. And we saw a bubble. You know, if yep. you go back and look at 3D systems, you look at Stratasys, those stocks are down like 80% this year because they bought them up to crazy levels. So that's the balancing act that you and I and, and your listeners have to juggle with, and that's finding those opportunities for what we think is going to be great five years from now but not overpaying for them. So you know, if we're looking at the Internet of Things, I mean, it's boring, but really the companies that are going to dominate that space are going to be Apple, they're going to be Google, they're going to be Amazon. Um, anyone that comes into the market that has a good product – these guys just buy them up. Yeah. You know, they're kind of the bully on the playground. They just take what they've got and send them home with a paycheck. So it, it's not the 80s where you can find some, some stock trading and it's a couple of kids in a garage making the next new technology. I mean, these giants out there just dominate everything. <laughs> but if you invest in one of these up-and-coming companies and they get bought out for a good price, you make money and you go find something else to invest in, right? So oh, absolutely. And, and look, that's, people made a lot of money doing that. I mean, it's tougher to do because you're usually talking about penny stocks and these smaller companies. Um, I tell you one. I mean, I like penny stocks just because not like pin like two pennies, but you know, stocks right. under five dollars, smaller companies, um, because that's where the opportunity is, right? Apple and Google and Amazon. These were all once small companies, and if you buy them, then it's great. You know, one I'm looking at now. It's, it's kind of a boring company. It's called Celsius. Ticker symbol is C E L A. Just trading around two and a half bucks a share, but it's an it's an energy drink, and that space is kind of played out. But they're, they're marketing themselves the first negative calorie energy drink. So they've got these studies that are backed uh, by clinical research showing that if you, you know, assuming you do some moderate exercise, the test subject who drank one of these a day burned like an extra 100 calories with their workout. So that's being taunted a little bit right now, but it's a tiny company. It seems like a $45 million company right now. Uh, it's slowly getting shelf space. So I kind of use, like we talked about, the Peter Lynch method. I'm out there at the grocery store and the gas station trying to see what it has shelf space. I went into Smoothie King after a workout last week, saw them on the shelf. So I just I, I talked to the cashier and said, hey, what is the Celsius? Are you guys selling a lot of it? She said, yeah, we're moving a lot of it. Thought, you know, man, it's you know. funny you mention that. I've, I've invested in Celsius probably about seven or eight years ago. It did so bad, I forgot about it. I guess it's still in my portfolio unless they've gone bankrupt and come back out again. Man, if you've been holding know. it, you're making you're sitting on some pretty good profits. <laughs> go there, look buddy. At it. it didn't go bankrupt. Yeah, but you probably bought it back in 2010. Let's see, it went down to like 14 cents a share and stayed there for a couple of years in the below 50 cent range. Well, now it's at two, you know, two fifty, two sixty, somewhere around there. Um, I'm getting rich. But look, I mean, that's one, yeah, <laughs> you're making money talking to me, buddy. <laughs> I had a thousand shares. I have to go check my. Uh, that's one of those forgotten portfolios I put away. You know, I tried the drink, and the drink wasn't that good to me. Maybe they've improved it. That was seven years ago when I, you know, did. I like the negative calorie end index where you drink a soft drink and you're losing weight instead of gaining weight. It makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, and it's appealing. I mean, whether it's you know, again, they've got some clinical research. I don't know how how strong it is. But nonetheless, I mean, the average American's going to see that and say, I can lose calories doing this drink. They're just going to start chugging them thinking they can sit on their sofa and drink 12 sodas and lose weight, even though that's not the way it really works. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tried a couple of them. They've got like four or five flavors out there. I, I actually liked a couple of them. So, I mean, again, it's a simple approach to investing with, look, here's a company, here's what's going on. We look at their numbers. They're not losing money. They're barely breaking even, but it's a tiny operation. Their, their product's good. As I see them picking up some shelf space and getting out there, you know, look, they, they, get, they get picked up by 
you know, Chevron gas stations or, or, or whatever, some big nationwide account, or all the Smoothie Kings pick them up, and all of a sudden that $50 million company becomes a $200, $300, $500 million company, and you really you really got something. Well, that was the problem back in the day is it was all mail order, so you had to order it, and then you had to pay mm-hmm. postage and handling. So if they're getting shelf space, that makes uh, that makes sense why they would start to go up in value. Yeah, that's and that, that's really all that all that really matters that I'm looking at. I mean, you know, yep. you and I know we're not going to – if you want a drink, you're going to go to the gas station and get a drink, right? You're not going to – call in a mail order and, <laughs> and wait four days for it to come, you know. Nope. So um, if they can get that proper shelf space, you know, if they can get in the in the checkout counter at Walmart and some of these other places, I mean, uh, just convenience purchase will, will, will make this, this company quadruple, you know. Well, hey, fascinating interview. We're running against the clock right now. But, folks, his name is Ross Givens. He is the chief market analyst at Wealth Empire. Ross, hope to have you on again in the future to talk about some other things. Coach, thanks so much. appreciate you having me on. Yeah, and folks, if you want to hear this interview again in its entirety or listen to all our other interviews, you can always do that at financialsafari.com and click on the As Heard on the Show icon. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> 